Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and uh, today I get to head all the way down to Auckland, New Zealand, and I get to interview one of our, uh, I think, inaugural shifters. I think he was in the group at the very beginning when we first started it all, and uh, his name is Dr. Paul Needham, and uh, he is a 2000 graduate from uh, the chiropractic school in New Zealand, and, uh, and I'm happy to have him on the show. So welcome, Dr. Paul. Thanks, Don. Great to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So I like to start off all my interviews just with kind of getting a little introduction of, of how you even found out about chiropractic in the first place. What's your chiropractic origin story? <laughs> that could take all day. Yeah. I was actually working in the States um, running commercial fishing boats. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And, um, and I had some shoulder problems um, and I was going to see a mate of mine who was a physio. And uh, he said, oh, you know, we're, we're not really doing that well here. So um, here's this guy who's a chiropractor. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't really know. I hadn't really heard about it before. I didn't know much. Um, so I, I went to see this guy. And I don't think he actually gave me a lot of information about chiropractic. Like, I don't think he, well, if he did tell me the story, it didn't really sink in. Um, so it didn't seem to work. You know, I went a few times, but because of the, the nature of what we were doing, we were up and down the California coast, and um, you know, I wasn't in one place all the time. So I started to find where we were. I started to find different chiropractors. Um, and there was a one guy who was up north um, who was an activator chiropractor, which oh, cool. had no idea about techniques. Yeah. Um, and he actually explained things a little bit better. So um, I got the whole idea behind you know, brain-body communication and body works better kind of thing mm-hmm. and um that, and we went from there so i was working in the states for about four years and uh i just have to be talking to my folks one day and they said oh there's this new college starting up in new zealand you know it's a chiropractic college and uh i said oh that's cool or maybe you know i was thinking about changing what i was doing and i was getting a bit sick of what i was doing so i applied and i was still living in the states when i applied came home for the interviews and um and because I didn't have a study history, I'd been, what, 14 years out of school. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, got, I didn't get accepted the first year. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the second intake, I think. So um, I decided, well, I'm home anyway, so I might as well just go and, and do university and see what this is all about because I'd never been to university. I'd, I'd done an apprenticeship. I was a builder. Um, and, yeah, the second year I reapplied and got in, and the rest is kind of history, really. That's cool. So that that must have been um, kind of nerve wracking for you if you hadn't been in school for a while. Like, were you kind of nervous or or kind of freaked out to go back to school after being out for 14 years? Uh, Freaked out's probably a good term. (laughs) The PG version of it. (laughs) So we, um, the the funny, there's a bit of a funny story there too, because um, I didn't do any biology at school. I did, you know, metalwork and architecture and all that sort of stuff. And um yeah, I did, did okay at all my studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming into coming into university, um, one of our it was a physiology major, 
and the physiology papers were second year papers and the prerequisites for those were biology papers. And mm -hmm. for some reason, uh, Bio 101, which is human biology, uh, was full. So they put me into e ecobiology, which is Bio 103, which is, you know, New Zealand biology. Yeah. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then put me straight into the physiology paper. It oh, was wow. in my first semester. So in actual fact, it was a good thing because uh, the first lecture was cell biology. <laughs> Having never done biology before, you know, like it was a foreign language. So um, what that made me do was actually go and read the text the night before and actually get into some good habits. Um, so it turned out all right. So that's what you kind of did then is just to make sure you're on your game. You're reading the text before you went to class. Yeah, we had, you know, yeah. we had the handbook and, stuff and I'd read through the text and try and figure out what, what the hell was going on and you know, what was coming up next. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's why they always say like when you have mature students, a lot of times they do better because they actually have a better strategy. Like, because <laughs> if they don't have the natural talents of studying or the or the history of learning that stuff, um, you come up with strategies that you can do it right. So where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about a natural strategy, but it was a holy crap strategy. <laughs> Well, it's funny when you get put there and uh, steam starts rising out of your collar. Um, sometimes you do stuff you never thought you could do, right? Oh yeah, it was it was really scary. <laughs> so so how was how was chiropractic school? How was chiropractic school in uh, in Auckland, New Zealand? Um, I think it was pretty good. I think it's definitely different now. Uh, yeah, that, that those first few years were pretty tough. We we did a lot of self study. Yeah, there right. wasn't a lot, you know, the program wasn't as developed as what it is now. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff we were learning on the fly. We were, you know, look, reading texts. We were talking to other chiropractors. We were trying to figure things out ourselves to a certain degree, um, right. which I don't think is a bad thing either. Yeah. You know, um, business, business class didn't exist. Right. Yeah, we had, a, we had a woman come in for like a semester and, you know, cash is king. <laughs> <laughs> We had to develop a business plan, and I, you know, it was on one piece of A4 paper or something. You know, it was like, yeah. So, so coming out into the real world, yeah, that was that was quite scary too. Having never, never run a business, never, never done anything like that. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's funny because I think probably at the beginning of the school, they're more concerned about accreditation and getting through board exams, right? And and those are probably luxuries to have business classes added in when they're just at the beginning. Yeah, I think the college to start with, you know, because we did a. Um, we did a conjoint degree. So we did a physiology degree at the university because they didn't have that stuff in at the college. Mm -hmm. And then the college was just, just the chiropractic stuff. Right. We were doing, you know, like the palpation and, you know, exam testing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there wasn't, even until later on, you know, there wasn't a lot of the pathology or anything else initially. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much. It was like a correspondence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we were only, yeah, you know, we were there part time. Uh, I think, well, I think it was classified as full time, but we were we were there kind of part time as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, and, and then again, you went through student clinic at the time was because uh, I know the the student clinic at New Zealand they have quite high standards where you need to see like six hundred visits or so to get out of there. Um, was was it that highest standard as well then too, or how how was student clinic when it, when the school first opened? Because you'd think they just started it. <laughs> yeah, um, the the college actually moved buildings like three times as well, so we had that going on as well. We went from a quite a small area, and then there was a obviously the second, third, fourth intakes. There's more students around, so they needed bigger spaces. They leased this building, 
Um, and it was, you know, it was really cool. We, it was all fitted out. It was nice and new. It had its own, you know, health center, college clinic. Um, that was too small. That didn't work. So then we went to another building and, and it had a really, really cool open plan, kind of a, well, not really open plan, but kind of half high walls yeah. and, uh, and sliding doors and things that, you know, kind of got left open. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of, well, we'd been doing the palpation and doing the testing, but you know, it's the same as anywhere. You walk into somewhere and you don't really know what the hell you're doing and you sort of, well, they say fake it till you make it, but you just start doing it. And, you know, I think you just get better at it. Right. I think that's, that's even, you know, today, you like, um, you know, they say it's practice for a reason. I think the more you're doing stuff, you know, like people teach you stuff. I don't know, you must have the same thing where somebody comes in with something and you're going, I'm not sure what's going on here. But yeah. You adjust them and, and you file that away in your little in your little white matter and then later on something else comes up the same kind of deal. So you go, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And you pull that, pull that little trick out of your hat and then oh that worked again. So we'll file that away. That's a good one, you know. That's um, our own little research based project going in our brain, right? That's our little research uh, absolutely experience. Yeah, and we had <laughs> we had some students come out a while ago that um, you know, we would I was checking one of them and I was trying to explain what I was doing as I went through checking what I was looking for. And checking one person and talking through my processes, I mean, it took an hour. Yeah. Like, in a whole hour? And we, you know, like, and, and, you know, just, and they have no idea that those processes are going on, you know, in your brain, you know. Um, and I, I use a lot of muscle testing too. And I think the students look at that and they see, oh, all he's doing is testing muscles and adjusting. They don't see the process that's going on, the palpation I'm doing as well, and the fact that I've actually spent 20 years of muscle testing, so then I've short-circuited that process. I know what works and what doesn't. You know, so there's kind of some cheats that go on there as well. But, um, you know, and I've, I, I've got to be a little bit careful about that because then they go back to the college clinic and they go, oh, yeah, but all he did was muscle test and just adjust. And it's like, mm, okay. <laughs> Well, that, that brings me back to the beginning. So when you graduated and you started, what was your initial, um, let's just even talk about technique. What was your initial experience with technique and how did your uh, chiropractic technique evolve over time? So um, the college initially had this amalgamation of techniques and it was just a pulled together, diversified Gonstead. It was the NZCC technique, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then down the track a little bit, they started to add in specific techniques. So we had um, Thompson in the college. We had activator. Um, we had toggle. Nice. Um, nice. And then, and also I think at that time, diversified and Gonstead. So manual techniques, light force techniques. Um, and there were, I think there was five of the yeah. core techniques that we could use. And I think they've gone away from that a little bit now. I don't know that they have Thompson in the, in the health center now um, for whatever reason. I think, you know, a little bit of politics in there going on. I'm not sure. And the other thing that was really um, frowned upon was using activator as a force application. So if you're going to use activator, you, you had to use it as a, a technique package, which I think you know, that came from Arlen. That was fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how... You know how we use the activator in, in, in practice. In real life, yeah, 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 totally. Well, again, it's the the and again, it's the analysis is your own analysis, and then how you do it is how you do it, right? Like that. But that's kind of over time, like you said, right? It's kind of developing. Like a, I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I think over time, the the analysis is what you know makes makes the difference. 
I think chiropractic analysis is probably the most important thing, you know, because it doesn't matter what technique you're using, it works, you know. Different technique for different people, maybe a little bit better, worse, but it's the analysis that that really, really um, makes a difference. That drives home. That's cool. Now, um, when you started off, like, did you just kind of pick one and then uh, add some more later on, or did you kind of amalgamate a few right away, or how did your uh, technique evolution go? Uh, this out in practice, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started working as an associate for a few months, and um, they, they there was there was two two offices, and um, the chiropractors were using fairly manual techniques. So. Yeah, that, that fitted in well with me at the time. Um, they had, um, I think they had a drop table. One of the one of the officers definitely had a drop table. Um, the other ones, mm, I can't remember. It might have just been flat benches. Yeah. So we were just yeah, adjusting spine manually. Yeah. So diversified, gone steady kind of side posture. Um, and yeah, and so I had my own. I had a room where I was doing my my sort of exams and. And my adjusting, and that had a—I um, don't know if you know Lloyd Lloyd yeah. tables. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it had, a, it had a, a Lloyd table, which was you know quite a nice little table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, and, and having already used the Thompson um, technique at the college, I quite liked that. It worked really well for me. Um, so you know, I was I was doing some side posture and some some drop, um, and I quite liked the um, the cervical syndrome testing and the drops for the you know, the cervicals. Yeah. So that was something that I was doing. And, and I we, guess my tech these days is probably not super different. Mm-hmm. I've been exposed to muscle testing at the college with one of the guys, Graham Dobson. I don't know if you know Graham. I've heard of him. I never met him, but I've heard of him lots. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool guy. Um, very, very, he's into, you know, um, networks, bioanalysis and, um, you know, very big on muscle testing and that sort of thing. So that was my exposure to that, um, and I felt that it was a very, very cool tool. But you know, seeing somebody else do it and actually do it yourself—completely different results. You know? <laughs> totally, you just have no real idea what you're feeling or what's going on. So again, you, you keep doing it until you kind of figure it all out. That's kind of like this. That's like the student that was watching you adjust there, right, and not going like, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think you just get more sensitive with it. Um, the more you're using that sort of stuff, you get more comfortable with it. You know, you know what works for you. Like what works for me might not work for the next guy. Um, right. So you just got to work it in, I guess. Figure what's the best um, match. Yeah, yeah. And obviously then you go to seminars and you you learn different things at different seminars. So that adds in. Um, there was probably holes in my technique. And, you know, you go to a seminar and somebody talks about how the ankle works or the knee functions here and you go, Oh, I'll tie that into what I'm doing. That kind of makes sense with what I'm seeing with my palpation. And, you know, so you build this bigger, bigger picture over yeah. time. It's cool. Uh, it's like the tool belt. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And it is. And you know, the more, the more, it doesn't mean you have to have every tool in your tool belt, but the more tools you have, I mean, the better you can cope in different situations. Um, yep. It's a bit like, you know, at the moment, um, Amanda, my wife was looking on uh, online last night. And there was a guy in the States who was curing knee injuries and it was a adrenal, adrenal and knees are connected and he was doing, you know, nutritional therapy and blah, blah, blah. And like, mm, that's like that Medipractor thing. And that's probably <laughs> way too many tools. I think, you know, you just need to stick to the adjustment. So. Right. <laughs> well, that's again, we try to do, I think I do, we do try to get chiropractors to focus on that thing, right? Because a lot of times, 
if they haven't spent enough time to focus on the adjustment, it hasn't become good enough yet to see what the value is, right? And then I know when I was first in practice, you know, you'd think, well, maybe I should try this or maybe I should add this. And then pretty soon it's like anything but chiropractic. It's like mm-hmm. it's doing so much stuff, it's hard to be kind of clear and focused on, on what you're doing. Yeah, and I think we went down that track a little bit. You know, we had nutritional supplements and things in the office. And then we had this and we had that. And you end up going away from your central core stuff. And I think it's really important to come back to that, you know, just stick to the chiropractic. And we've got a couple of guys um, who are struggling a little bit in practice around in our area. And, you know, uh, and it's all good, you know, like one of them's doing doTERRA and that's fine, that's cool. But I think, you know, they kind of lose track of that central concept. Just adjust, be really good at it, and then have the other stuff if you want to as a supplement or, you know, help for people. Um, like we have shoes in the office, but I'm not a shoe salesman. Yeah. You know, people want to buy shoes. They're there. You know, I'll talk to you about them, um, but I'm here to adjust you. Right. You know? that, that's my thing. The reason that we have the shoes is they're barefoot shoes, which better proprioception, better feedback, better balance, you know, so it's got to be better for the body, but mm-hmm. it's still just an add-on to, to what we're doing. To what you're doing. Now, now, this is the other question is, how, how did you develop your certainty in chiropractic? Because I know uh, the reason, though, I think a lot of chiropractors end up doing a lot of other things is because maybe they don't have that much certainty in, in the chiropractic adjustment. Um, how, how did you... Like, did, did you kind of have the whole philosophy of chiropractic down then by the time you got to school or, or kind of how did you kind of tie in your certainty and philosophy together? Mm, that's a hard one. My philosophy really was probably based, you know, we had, we had Phil at the college or we still have Phil at the college. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chiropractic philosophy is pretty simple. Yeah, right. it's, actually, <laughs> it's probably not really a philosophy if you really wanted to analyze it out and, and focus on it. But the <laughs> The concept that the body heals itself, you know, I'd had, I'd had good experience with that. I've had some major injuries in the past. Um, and, you know, the body does heal itself. I think I was quite lucky as a kid. Um, we had a, a physio, a local physio. My dad was a builder. So he was going to the physio, you know, because he was, he was pretty broken. Um, and this guy actually trained in the States. And he trained with the chiropractors and osteopaths. So... His concept of physio is quite different from today's concept of what physio is. Right. So in actual fact, he worked a lot more like what I work at now, like checking people regularly for a bit of a tune-up, still kind of based more around symptoms, but checking out not just the symptomatic area, you know, checking out different areas that are linked through to that. So I think he had more of a – so I had, that, I had that opportunity. I had that vision, I guess, seeing him working on, on, on that sort of side of things. Um, and then when I was um, a teenager, I was riding motocross and I was building and, you know, water, and snow skiing as well and water skiing. So I would go to him probably on average probably once a month or so for more of a tune-up. You know, so right. I already had that kind of concept, but I just didn't, I didn't, I hadn't formalized it, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it was there in the back of my mind, hey, look, body's not working too well. I'll go and get a bit of a tune-up, you know. Right. Um, and I guess this is one of the other things that, that um, we struggle with a little bit is, you know, how often's too often, how often's not enough. Um, so, you know, we used to try and put everyone in that same little box, get them to once a month, and that was going to be good. But we know now that that doesn't work. So, um, you know, the, the scheduling is probably a, a big factor in what we're doing as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, so my history, my, my concept of, of that philosophy, I guess, was ingrained a little bit. Um, I, you know, like I say, I did lots of physical stuff. I did triathlon, I rode motocross, I was yeah. snow skiing, I was water skiing, I was building. I was at the gym, 
Um, and, I, and I had this idea that, you know, I wanted, you know, wanted to keep my body working as well as I possibly could mm-hmm. uh, right from a very young age. Um, and, and then I guess going to the college, um, the concepts, you know, the safety and cycle, that sort of stuff kind of tied things in together, made a bit more sense. Um, yeah. I think that sort of, that side of the philosophy really probably hasn't evolved a lot. Um, and I think that's part of philosophy too, is that like, you know, the evolution, as we get new knowledge, that should change. And I think that's probably something that chiropractic needs to work on a little bit rather than being a little bit more dogmatic. And, and, and how about um, your certainty in, in the adjustment? Like what, what kind of things did you go to seminars or how did, how did you kind of learn the, the value of an, a chiropractic adjustment? Uh, yes, seminars. Um, when I, as I said, when I graduated, I worked as an associate for a while and that really wasn't working out for me. Um, so after about three or four months, I ended up buying a practice. Mm. Like four months out of college, let's just do it. Yeah, brave um, guy. <laughs> yeah, now? No, would I do it again? I don't know. I know. See, sometimes uh, it's good you're naive at the beginning, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and it was busy. Um, we were seeing probably, I don't know, 150, 200 people a week. Maybe not mm-hmm. quite 200, 150, 180. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're going from your own practice of 30 or 40 people a week to, you know, holy crap. You know? <laughs> and, and at that point, um, you know, the, the practice that I bought had a... Um, a video fluoroscopy machine. So we were taking video x-rays, which was pretty cool. Um, And we had two adjusting rooms. They were quite small rooms. Then we had Thompson tables in in each of those. So straight away, I was like, sweet Thompson, you know, we can, we can do this. Um, And, and, and that's all, yeah, we weren't, we weren't doing extremities. We weren't doing anything else. We were just adjusting spine um, and, you know, seeing some pretty cool changes. And I think, like you said, the more you do it, the better you get, you know, the more certain you become, hey, this thing works, you know, like, and people are coming back. Yeah. That's the other thing, you know, people come back, you go, hey, cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So what did you do at the very beginning to grow your practice? Because when you kind of started off there, like, um, it was kind of nice to buy a practice because you already had a, a patient base but, or a practice yeah. member base. But what, what, what did you do to kind of promote yourself at the beginning of your practice? Uh to tell you the honest truth, we haven't really done a hell of a lot ever. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the odd screening, I think, mm-hmm. but it would have been few and far between. We had um, we had a thing where on the back of supermarket dockets you had advertisers, and we, oh, yeah. we signed up. You know, free spinal screening kind of thing. We'd come in and get your spine checked. Um, so we did that for a while. And that was great, you know, but people wanted the free that they come and kick the tires and maybe stay for a couple of visits and then and bugger off again and we wouldn't see them again. Um, yeah, so um, we, we, we joined a group called um, B&I, which they have oh, worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. There's business network and stuff. So you got referrals through from your breakfast meetings. Um, and the rest of it was really internal stuff. You know, totally. it was more about, you know, we did, we did little promotions and things like that. But, you know, this is what I was saying before, coming out into practice, no real concept of anything in, ter- in terms of marketing or you know any anything like that. So um, you know, and even um, like business management. You know, we stepped into this practice; everything was there, ready to go. So there was no training. There was no um, UCA came on. There's the front desk. There's the computer. <laughs> yeah, that was it. You're trained. You know. Um, yeah. So <laughs> so it was really the internal referrals, and and uh, we. 
we see, well, we're seeing lots of kids and we still, you know, we go through patches now where we see lots of kids as well. Sometimes we don't see as many, but, mm-hmm. um, you yeah, know, that's probably more through the kids in school and, and people that we know. Um, but yeah, to start with, she was pretty blank slate, man. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I know. Remember the first, I think our first two or three CAs that we hired, we, we trained them the same way. They said, here's the front. And then I think at the very end of the shift, all the first two or three all cried because they were like, this is too crazy. I can't handle this. <laughs> I, th- I think I was lucky in one respect. Like when I, when I was associate, um, the CA that was at that practice, um, wasn't very happy with what was going on around there. So when I, when I left and I bought the practice, she was like, Oh cool. Can I come and work for you? So as well as, you know, leaving the practice, I took the CA as well, which didn't go down that well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But so she already had, you know, she already had an idea, a concept, an idea of what was going on. So that was kind of cool. Um, But the practice that we walked into was very much um, symptom based, condition based. Right. Now that I, you know, 20 years down the track, I realized that um, the PVA was about, I think, 12, 15. Right. You know, so even though we had um, a core of people that were coming in regularly, and regularly was, you know, once a month, once every six weeks, you know, so that was, that was regular visit. Right. Um, so, you know, there was a core of people that were coming in regularly. There were families coming in. Um, but the concept was still, you know, not quite where it is now. I'll tell you that right away. But, um, and we, we then, we had the CA that we had that came with me was there for a couple of years and then she moved on and we took on, uh, again, you know, how do you, how do you, um, you know, take applications for a CA, you know, what, what do you do? Who are you looking for? No idea. You know, um, oh, this woman's kind of nice. She's kind of funny. Let's go with that. Yeah, and, totally. That's what we used to do too. Throw them down yeah. the stairs and see which resume goes the farthest or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know I, I don't even, I don't even, can't even remember the ad. It was probably not even a very good ad. But, um, <laughs> but I think each time you go through that process, then you get better at, at understanding what you're looking for and actually how to, how to write that ad or how to ask for, for what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's a learning in itself. Um, and we actually had a time where, the CA had taken over the front desk and because of the lack of ongoing training and management from me, um, she kind of owned that area and we, we got into quite a big um, area of difficulty. Um, you know, people weren't coming in because she wasn't booking them in. Um, she, if she liked people, she would sign, you know, bring them, book them in again. But each time it wasn't even ongoing visits. There was no scheduling. It was just like, oh, we'll see you again in a month. You know, oh, so really? the appointment book a month down the track looked pretty empty. And they would phone in. We had lots of phone calls. Um, and if she didn't like people, she wasn't booking them in. Oh, no, sorry, we can't fit you in today. Or sorry, we're too busy today. <laughs> so it went from, and we didn't, I didn't know this at the time. You know, this right. is the scary yeah. thing. I had no idea that this was happening. Right. Um, and, you know, the volume went down. And we were down to 100, 110 visits a week. Wow. And, you know, like my focus at the time was still pre-kids. Um, so I was, I was still racing the bike. Um, I'm, I'm a cyclist. I race on the velodrome and on the road. So I was still racing my bike. I was still training three, four hundred k's a week. Um, you know, new relationships, that sort of stuff was going on. We were going on holidays, so everything was good, but the business was suffering. Yeah, you know, that was like a low. You know, it was a low priority, and, and it was kind of like buried head in the sand for a while. Right. Um, and we got to the point where, yeah, you know, we were just about to close the doors. I reckon. Uh, really? We weren't really making. 
we weren't really making money. We were just paying the bills and kind of ticking along. Um, and, you know, we kind of got to the point where we went, well, something's got to change, you know? And I, I was still kind of not really aware of all the stuff going on at the front desk. Wow. And, and we went, okay, like it's time for, time for some external help. So we, we ended up, um, cause I'd met Mark Postles at seminars and you know, I like Mark. He's a great guy. Um, Ali was at the college as well. Um, and I kind of knew her and, you know, so, and he had quest, quest coaching. So we, we signed up with quest and that was a lifesaver. We were in, nice. we were in damage control. Mark calls it <laughs> we were in survival mode. Yeah, totally. <laughs> When it's so insidious, it's kind of like how people lose their health, right? It just kind of chips away a little bit at a time. And if you're not really Absolutely. focused on it, you don't even know it's happening. So that's such a good lesson for chiropractors out there because we've heard so much time how important it is to have great front staff, but how devastating it can be to have bad front staff. Like, yeah, and the amazing thing looking back on it now is you know, we, we really, I mean, we knew that there was something going on, yeah. but we didn't realize how bad it was and, and, and why, you know, like, so then we start asking, you know, what am I doing wrong? Um, what do we need to do to get more people in the door? You know, it's that same old cycle, you know, yeah. we'll try yeah. this and we'll try that and we'll try something else um, rather than just going back to those core concepts and tweaking, you know, tweaking how you talk to people, tweaking, giving them more information, you know, educating them better. Um, yeah. We were, we were struggling, really, really struggling. So kind of, what were the steps that you went through? Like, did you just, did you fire, did you just get upset and fire them right away? Or like how, cause I know your personality is kind of a little bit like mine where you're a little bit more quiet and you're not like kind of a big bang your chest guy. Like, so yeah. how, how did, how did you do that? Well, sometimes you can't be bang your chest, but that's cause you've lost your mind cause you're so mad and then you're just a jerk. But <laughs> how did you do it? Well, I actually didn't do it. Um, at the end of the day, she resigned. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, she decided, you know, she was getting older and she wanted to, they were moving, uh, moving to a different city and she resigned, which was, you know, so that was me in confrontation, not that good. Um, yeah. Probably like a lot of people, you know, how yeah. do I approach this? Um, and Mark had said, yeah, like, we need to do something about this. We need to do something about this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> and, and we started to do some training with her through Mark and you know, with everything else. Um, and things started to shift a little bit, but then obviously she didn't like that because now she wasn't the boss of the front desk. Right. And so I think that was that, that was that, the altered dynamic that really kind of pushed her over and she ended up resigning. Um, and um, so then um, I'm just trying to think who the CA was after that. That was Nicole. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So then we had nobody for a while. Um, and, and then it was probably better. <laughs> well, it probably was, but you know, Amanda, my wife stepped, my wife stepped into the role, and she was there at the, at the office sometimes. And we had, you know, some other people step in sometimes, students and things. But we, you know, there was lots of times where we just really didn't have a CA for a while. Um, but the whole time, yeah, we went we went through this process with Quest, um, and it took about six months to to formalize. A, a statement of purpose. Mm. Like we spent a lot of time, a lot of energy going through this process. First off, it was just a bunch of words that we wanted to use. You know, these are our, these are our, what we stand for. Um, and then we kind of formed those words into sentences and then, you know, it's in, into a cohesive, um, into a cohesive statement. Um, in the meantime, you yeah, know, going through underlying all that stuff, there's a whole lot of the process going on as well. But 
that was the scent that it took about six months to really find who we were, what we wanted to be doing, and, and you know get that get that statement set up, get that purpose, um, which I think was a uh, uh, you know it's a massive thing. Right. And Mark's really big about going from the central core, you know, those central concepts, and then everything else should tie into that. Um, and I think you know we we still use that process today. We still we still got a similar statement. It hasn't really changed a lot over the last few years. We've tweaked it a little bit, but it still seems to work for us. It's that you know it's definitely, um, and we now have we've had two different CAs since then, mm-hmm. uh, and the one we've got now is just awesome, amazing. Nice, that's awesome. So the biggest difference before and after was just you just you just went into your practice and kind of took more ownership over it and actually like started directing the procedures and the and and all the systems the way that would line up with your purpose. Yeah, exactly. We we just stepped in and went, okay, are we, you know, and I ended up getting um, somebody sent me a, a purpose statement. I mean, no, not a purpose, a, a procedures manual. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been one that the guy, uh, it might be one of David Fletcher's ones. But it became the the, um, the scanning machine. Doesn't it come with a? Oh, maybe it did. Maybe it did come with that with like the CLA yeah. substation. So, yeah. So we had this template anyway, and then we went through that and completely ripped it apart and you know, said, well, we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't do this, we'll change this. But we still have that now, that, that, that altered or that new version of, of that procedures manual, um, which we never had before. You know, starting out in practice, we didn't have any procedures. It was just like, let's do it. Um, right. So now, yeah, we can. We can go back into the procedures manual and go, are we still doing this? Do we want to tweak this a little bit? Um, and that's what we've done with you know, the, the vitality shift. Um, yeah, we, we took, like you said, we were part of the beta testing. I think one of the first crews on board. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, after, after talking to you guys at Fiji. Fiji on fire, you betcha. <laughs> so, um, and that was really cool because I thought we were doing, yeah, after working with Mark for a while and, and a couple of other other coaches, um, we, we started working with Katie Pritchard actually as well because oh, nice. she was working for Mark for a while. Yeah. Um, Mark's really frustrating for me because he, he asks lots of questions. Right. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? What's yeah. The, yeah. What's the reason for this? Yeah. And my brain doesn't really work that way. I don't know a lot of that stuff, so <laughs> I just get frustrated and jump up and down and bang my chest, like you were saying. I just do it because I do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just that's the way I do it. So it's, yeah, that's that's for him. He just sits back and looks at me and just goes, "Why?" Yeah. <laughs> so. If you can figure out your why, I guess, you know, that's the thing. Like if you can figure out why you're doing something, then that's, you've got it nailed. So we have done a lot of that searching over time. We, we, you know, we paired back things, we changed things, we altered things. And then, like I said, with you guys and, and the Vitality Shift, it was really nice to have a program where we could sit down and listen to videos and watch stuff and, and think about things and, um, and just change, alter slightly our procedures. And I think, and by that point, we were already doing things fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, that's jumped things up to a whole nother level. Um, we, we also, in between time, sorry, we were going back a little bit here, but Mark had a, um, Mark Postles had a woman working for him at Quest um, called Davina. And Davina then was a CA coach. Oh. So when we took on the, so two CAs ago, we took on a new CA and we said, okay, let's get some coaching. Mark suggested we go and, and do some work with Davina. And we ended up coaching with her for probably 18 months. Nice. And we'd go video conference every fortnight. Um, 
and it was more, you know, it was team coaching. It wasn't actually CA coaching. It was team coaching. Mm-hmm. And I, I got on really well with her. I like her style. Um, she held me accountable. And, you know, she was a lot more, you know, why, but also practical, having mm-hmm. been in that CA role for, for herself for a long time. Um, and that, that's made quite a big difference. That's cool. Now, just a question, like now that I know you don't like questions. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just won't ask why. But but if if you're like I always ask the Terminator question, kind of if you go back in time, what kind of advice would you give yourself if you could talk to yourself when you just graduated, or you know, just any 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 chiropractor that just graduated? What what kind of fathering advice would you give to yourself if you could actually go back in time and talk to yourself? Man, that's a hard one. There's probably lots of stuff I'd say to myself. Probably a lot of it you couldn't re- record. <laughs> Be nice to yourself. You remember, you're inspiring your younger self. <laughs> There's probably a couple of things. Probably one of them would be, you know, get some coaching. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what the program is like now at the college, but I would say that most graduates coming out probably don't have any clue about procedures and, and business management. You know, they may, they may be doing some modules there, but when you step into the real world, you know, like the, the kids at the college, they really, a lot of them have no idea how an office actually works. Right. You know, like we've had students coming out working as CA's temps and, and observing and stuff, and they're like, holy crap, you know, this is nothing like what we're seeing at the, at the health center. Yeah. So um, there, is, there is a requirement for these guys to come and do observation. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes they default to, to who's local or who's close to the college. Maybe they don't look around for different types of, of offices. So that's possibly one thing that I would have, and I'd hope to do that myself was to be maybe a locum for a while or just go and just observe in different practices to see what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and circumstances just didn't, didn't work out like that. Life didn't work out like that. So, you know, we, we did what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, I think, you know, we, we plan to do a bit of a road trip and go and visit different offices and see how they work. We, we plan to come and see you guys um, and hang out for a while. Um, and that's, you know, plans have changed a little bit over time. That's still on the radar, but, you know, it's just not going to be um, this year or possibly next year. But so, yeah, advice would be to go and, go and check out a whole bunch of different practices. Um, even find a, a chiropractor out there that's, that's doing what you think you want to be doing and, you know, use them as a mentor. Um, you know, get advice, get some coaching. Those are the things that we didn't do. And we, we struggled through it. You know, we're still here. Um, you still survive. There's still you can still learn. It just takes a little longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think you know, like when we're at Fiji, and and a lot of you guys, you know, um, talking about you know the, your experience in chiropractic, your life in chiropractic, and you know, a lot of these guys have these major, major dramas, major, major traumas, and have these epiphanies and things. And there really hasn't been any of that for me. It's just been this kind of slow evolution. Um, like you think about, um, you know, Jackson's, you know, he's. Threw his, threw his diploma away and was back being a mechanic. You know, like that's right. haven't kind of gone that far. Uh, <laughs> we struggled a bit for a while, but um, yeah, the last three or four years have been up and up and up. Um, and still, we're not doing a lot of external marketing. We do a lot of internal marketing, a lot of promotions. Um, yeah. Most of our most of our practice base is word of mouth, uh, which is great. Um, I think our PVA last year was up in the nineties. See, like, and again, like a lot of things, it doesn't really matter. And I think this for chiropractors out there, it doesn't matter if you do external marketing, as long as you have the practice that you want, right? Uh, there, 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 there's a challenge with some chiropractors out there that do, that do not have the, the, the practice that they want. And so that's what they're looking for, for external things. But I think that is 
the the most enjoyable time in practice when you can just be like, I'm good, I'm good. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, good. we're we're evolving, but we're good. Mm. And I think you know this is the thing. Like you guys, your focus, your passion is to be you know, educating lots of people. My focus is slightly different. You know, like I like to spend time with my family and go and go out with the kids and go mountain biking and do my training and stuff. So I'm I'm kind of in my happy place. Totally. You know, I think we could always be there a little bit busier, um, making a little bit more money. You know, that's cool. But the people that we're seeing, we're seeing on a regular basis. We've got scheduling in, in place. Yeah, we've got lots of people that we see. They have their time every week. Um, and we, we, you know, 12 months out, they're in the book. We look through it through the book and it's looking really good. Um, yeah, sometimes we struggle to fit new people in. We're that busy. Yeah. Um, you know, we're at that point now where, you know, some shifts we're, um, we're maxed out. So we think about, okay, do we open up more spaces? How do we make ourselves a little bit busier, a little bit faster? Yeah. Um, so I was talking to Ali Asher the other day uh, about a couple of things, you know, getting people onto tables quicker. You know, we have me as a, as a practitioner and we have one CA. Maybe the next step is to take on that second CA to, you know, to just expedite, bring people through, um, maybe take my notes to speed me up a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's this evolution now we're at that point where not every shift is fully busy. Um, but we're at that point where we can start to look at other options now too, which is really cool. That's awesome. Now, just to, this is kind of going off track a little bit, but I, we talk a lot about self-care and I'm just curious because, um, you, you very athletic, right? So you do a lot of biking and, and, and you, or at least did do a lot of cycling and, and how, how did you ever get a point where you kind of got burnt out or maybe you kind of lost your health a bit or wasn't looking after yourself? Was there any stories around that? Cause it'd be interesting to hear because chiropractic is pretty physical and then you have a physical hobby. So how did those two go together? Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of stories we could go into there. I, I've always, I've always done physical stuff. Like I, like I said, from the school, went to the gym, was doing triathlon, um, was racing the push bikes. Um, I was doing some weight training. Building was physical. Uh, I actually had a couple of pretty bad injuries. So when I was about 13 or 14, I came off a motocross bike. Um, we were out trail riding and I went down a cliff. Bike landed on top of me. Long story short, I fractured the humerus at the growth plate and dislocated the left shoulder. Oof. So pretty bad injury. Had to ride on the back of my mate's motorbike for probably half an hour through on this gravel track with, a, you know, with all this going on. Oh. We get to a point where we could get into a four-wheel drive and then drive on the four-wheel drive track back to where we could get to the ambulance. So there was a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> with a fractured hip, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, fractured, yeah, fractured humerus um, and dislocated shoulder joint. Oh, humerus, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm left-handed, so that was the left shoulder. Oof. Um, so there was, and again, long story short, um, the shoulder wasn't set properly. So now I have a a left shoulder that doesn't look like a left shoulder. Um, there's no bicipital groove. The Nothing is where it should be. Like the whole actual humerus is rotated. It's shifted sideways on the, on the ball, the, the shoulder, oh, which wow. creates problems. Yeah. Um, down the track further, um, I, I was riding on the velodrome. Um, so I broke, I've broken both my collarbones. Um, the right one was motocross. That was in three places. The left one was on the velodrome. That was in four places. Um, and then um, I had another crash where a guy came off in front of me on the velodrome at about probably 45, 50 k's an hour, and I went straight into the back of him and over the top um, and landed on my left scapula on the on the concrete on the velodrome and tore all four of the rotator cuff muscles on that left shoulder. 
So, uh, so that was when you're still, were you still a chiropractor at that time? Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was working. Um, this was probably on, it was maybe on the Friday night. I think we were doing Friday night racing. Yeah. Um, so back, back at work on Monday. Mm-hmm. So t- sure. tell me a little bit about that experience. I've done that too. Practicing injured. How, tell me about your experience practicing injured. Uh, it's yeah. Adapt, you know, like, yeah. There wasn't a lot of manual adjusting going on with that left arm, but I was still using muscle testing and still doing stuff. And I was using a lot of activator and drops, which was great. Yeah. So you alter your technique and you'd carry on with it. Now, what I didn't know was at the time was I'd completely torn tears. So now I have no tears. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, so, you know, you talk about adapting. Um, and the body adapts really, really well. You mm-hmm. know? If I'd, if I'd realized at the time how bad it was, I went to, I went to a sports guy, I went to a sports doctor, and he said, oh, yeah, you've done some tears. But we didn't realize that, you know, that was a full thickness tear. It was um, until we had the MRI later on, and then by then it was too late. The body had reabsorbed the tendons, and the muscle wasn't there anymore. So now I've got a big hole. Whoa, wow. And so has that permanently altered the way you adjust now? Uh, not really. Like, all my stuff through the front, you know, like pecs and everything else worked really well. Um, I did find for a while there that I was quite weak through that left side, but that's, mm-hmm. um, that strengthened up again. Um, I've, I've, so you're going back to the, you know, health self care and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've always been riding my bike, uh, even, you know, like we've got two kids now. So for a while there, I wasn't riding it as much. Um, and I'm, I'm probably doing maybe a hundred, 150 Ks a week at the moment. Whereas, you know, years previously was four or 500 Ks a week. Right. So there's a big change there. Yeah. Um, I started swimming again because I hadn't swum since I was doing triathlon. And I, you know, the kids were in swimming lessons. I'm like, shit, I might as well do something. So, you know, I'm sitting here for 20 minutes, half an hour. So I might as well jump in the pool. And that was good for the shoulder. Um, and then two years ago, no, three years ago now, um, some friends bought a boat. And we started doing some water skiing again, which I hadn't done for quite a few years. And uh, there was one weekend when I had a really bad crash, like twice in the same weekend, snapped my head back and ended up doing some pretty major nerve damage to the right arm this time. Oh, so it's taken me two years. That first year at Fiji on fire, yeah, I had, had no power in my right arm. Like, um, and I didn't realize it at the time. Again, you know, you don't realize. You're like, oh, that's kind of not so good. And then I was struggling to, struggling to do some adjusting with that arm, and I'm like, holy crap, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and there was no, you know, there was no observable signs. There was no, you know, x-rays didn't show anything. Yeah. But obviously that, that whiplash kind of injury had done some nerve damage. Um, mm-hmm. And I, got, I was getting checked twice a week and I still am now. Um, yeah. Just about every week. And sometimes it was more than that. And mm-hmm. you know, when we went to Fiji, I got David to check it. Dave Fletcher, we did a bit of, bunch of work on it. And he said it was almost like my body had disassociated that pole right arm. Wow. He said, nah, you know. Yeah. So, so there's been some pretty dramatic injuries. And about that time I'd said, well, you know, come on, we've got to, you're not getting any younger. We need to start, you know, looking after. So I've been back to the gym. Um, I go to the gym twice a week. Um, and I have the gym that I go to is pretty cool. The trainers, um, are girls, chicks, um, yeah. there's no pressure. Um, you know, we have a lot of fun, but also I get a new program every six weeks. Oh, cool. So it's me a new program. Um, and I'm sure she's trying to kill me, but that's okay. It's a whole other <laughs> that's story. her job. <laughs> You know, and the first assessment was kind of funny because, you know, there's a little thing down the bottom of the page that says injuries. So I start writing down this thing and then I turn over the page and I keep writing. And I basically fill the whole page up. 
and she's looking at me going, oh my God, you know, what are we getting myself into here? So we start going through the physical assessment and she's like, well, I don't know what you're going to be able to do. So we start doing all sorts of exercises and I'm like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And she's like, how does that shoulder even work? You know? Um, so the one movement that I found that I can't do is a, like a shoulder press. Right. Because I can do it on a machine. Yeah. But if I'm doing it with any kind of free weight, I've got no, the Terry's is a stabilizer. Yeah, so, so I can't stabilize. Um, so there's no point even doing that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. other than that, you know, I do chins, I do, I do press ups, I do pull downs, I, you know, um, heavy squats, deadlifts. Um, yeah, we're doing all that stuff and, and the shoulder's fine. So is that something that you've just done lately then just to, to make a bigger commitment to exercising to kind of keep you strong to prevent further yeah. injuries, the whole thing together? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I found like there was some, some stuff I wanted to do that I wasn't able to do around home and just at work. And I was like, eh, okay. So, and I've, you know, like I said, I've always been riding my bike yeah. to a greater or lesser degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now the kids have started, you know, um, they've been racing BMX since they were about three years old, both of them. Yeah. Um, and they've since transitioned from BMX into mountain biking. Um, we've got rid of all the BMX gear, so that's that's been kind of cool. Um, Theo now has a road bike as well. He's ten, so he started coming out with me on the road. Um, okay. He's quite keen to he's quite keen to triathlon. Um, he's doing uh, cross country in the winter, and they both do athletics in the summer. So, yeah, um, my wife Amanda's just discovered trail running. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's a whole bunch of um, exercise going on. I think, um, so Monday I'm at the gym, Tuesday I ride, Wednesday's a day off, Thursday's a ride day, Friday's a gym day, and then Saturday and Sunday I'll be probably on my bike either one or both of those days and possibly out for a trail run or something else. So right. exercise is definitely a big part of our, our family, you know, yeah. like, and I think it's really good for the kids to come up, grow up, you know, doing some exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah, they both swim. Um, Caleb, the little one, he does karate um, and he plays hockey. Um, Theo um, does his running and, um, yeah, and he's on to, into bikes and things as well. So I think at the moment we have 12 bikes in the garage. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, we, and we got rid of three of them just recently. So That's good. Yeah. So you're slimmed down to 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm always looking for another one, though. Always looking for another one. So we're coming to the end of our time. Um, what I usually like, like to do is just take the last couple of minutes just to have our guests just kind of give any words of inspiration um, that you could share with the chiropractors out there. Um, we got them all around the world and uh, just give a couple of minutes that whatever comes to the top of your mind, whatever you'd like to leave, leave our guests with. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, probably go back to those central concepts, you know, like what we did with Mark Apostles. Find out who you are. Find out what you stand for. What you won't stand for is probably just about as important. Hundred percent. Work out, you know, work out your core values, and then go from there. Um, and then once you've worked out all your core values, then you can make everything that you do congruent around those core values. Whether that is, you know, checking people and getting them out of pain. I mean, that's still, a, you know, that's still an area that that people need help with. But you know, our our focus was really then on on that health, wellness, vitality getting people better and better and better and we've worked around that and our everything we do goes back to those core values and that that practice that that statement of purpose and that's a mark used to say you know it should be a you know one of those hair raising spine tingling moments you know when you 
when you read through that that statement of purpose, you know, the hair should stand on end on your arms and on your back, and it still does with me. Um, and we try and read through that, you know, not every week, but probably most weeks. Mm-hmm. When we have our when we have a staff meeting or staff training, we'll read through that statement of purpose, um, and it, it definitely coming back to that can then motivate you again. You know, stay away from gimmick. Um, just get really good at adjusting, checking and adjusting. Mm-hmm. You know, go to seminars. Even if you pick up one thing at a seminar that ties in a little a hole or an area that you're not that good at, you know, if you pick up one thing, then that's still a learning. That's still going to add to your toolbox. It's still going to, you know, take you to another level. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty huge for people because, again, that congruency helps to um, kind of speed up your efficiency. And that's what we're trying to do with the nervous system too, right? When we adjust you, we're trying to increase efficiency and coherence. And then everything can run a lot smoother with less energy. And I think if we can get a purpose statement with your coherent, uh, um, congruent procedures and processes, it actually takes less energy to run. Because I think uh, a, a practice that's kind of a little bit all over the place is exhausting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So everybody out there, I hope you got some uh, good points from this interview. I, I know I, I, I wrote down some good stuff. And, and really make sure that uh, you stay congruent. Um, be familiar with who you are and write up your purpose statement so that you can get out there and brush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.